You're listening to Indigo Radio on 107.7 WVEW-FM, Brattleboro's community radio station. Um, We are a group of educators who are deepening our understanding and making connections. And we are on the air every Sunday from 1 o'clock on to 2. Um, We used to be on at noon, but due to COVID, um, we switched to 1 o'clock. So please do catch us live every Sunday by tuning in um, to the radio, or you can catch us anytime on iTunes podcast. You can look up Indigo Radio or on SoundCloud. Um, We're also um, on Facebook, on Indigo Radio, and um, on Instagram as well. So Stay updated on um, the different shows that we have every week. And um, today, um, our show is on dis-slash-ability. Um, we're going to be defining disabilities and contextualizing and redefining, hopefully, and really trying to understand what disability means um, in our society. And um, our two guests today um, are Lata who is um, an international student from Karnataka, India, in Bangalore. Um, And she is current, she just started her PhD journey at the University of Massachusetts in Boston um, in the Urban Education and Leadership um, and Policy Program. And um, Kyra Swain is um, just about to graduate the Spark Teacher Education Institute. Um, and she is also teaching, it's her first year teaching, um, in Springfield, Vermont, in um, high school. So um, all the views and opinions that are expressed on the show today are the of the host and the guest and, and not the radio show. Um, but before we get started um, in talking to Lata and Kyra about a disability, a disability in India, and um, and disability in the United States. We're going to start out with a song by um, Ryuichi Sakamoto, um, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence.
lead up to my masters in india and for my phd i am here at uh, umass boston and my interest of study would be in field of gender disability and education and overall to speak it is in inclusive education mm-hmm. great um and that's perfect for our topic today um and Kyra, if you would like to tell us a little bit about your teaching experience um, in, in special education and what you do, um, yeah. So this is my first year teaching at all. Um, and so I'm in special ed. And I think one of the things that I've been um, kind of, grappling with is the balance of the paperwork and spending time with the with the students and um, planning out activities and lessons. Um, I work with small groups of students and so that helps a lot as far as getting to know the students one-on-one and that that brings out a lot of different directions that we can go and topics that we can study and based on their interests and things that they're curious about. Great. So I'm going to put the question to both of you and, um, and you can both answer it um, of how do you think about what disability is? Like, how do you conceptualize it? What does it mean? Um, does it have different meanings in different contexts? So if you could um, sort of give us what you're, you're both thinking about what that means. Okay. Tara, do you mind if I go first? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so according to me, um, disability is something uh, that is uh, only like uh, physically that may restrict person to do something uh, like so-called the uh, world expects him to do, but uh, him or her to do. But there's definitely different ways of doing it. Uh, with with required accommodations, but it is disability does not limit a person to actually do anything. But maybe it makes them do, or it is possible for them to do it in a different way. Mm. Right. So it's like uh, that's what uh, I understand disability as. But um, officially, there are some definitions, as you know, in the U.S. there's ADA Act, and then in India we have Persons with Disability Act 1995, and recently we had Rights of Persons with Disability Act in 2016. The 1995 Act in India speaks of only five to six disabilities, but uh, whereas in uh, 2016 Act, it speaks of 21 types of different disabilities. So, even recognition of certain disabilities was a difficult thing is what I understand before certain years. Mm-hmm. And now there are recognition of more disabilities, but uh, according to me, there are some more which need to be recognized and accommodated as well. Mm-hmm. Can you um, can you name some of those that you think need to be recognized, that are still not recognized, but need to be recognized as disabilities? Yeah, um, uh, what I mean not recognized is, uh, like, uh, I, I'm not sure if exactly disabilities are not recognized, but uh, but the different aspect to it. Uh, do not take only disability as one of the aspects. Uh, I, I speak, like, uh, for 
person uh, facing a disability and has different kind of challenges as well for example uh, other uh, disadvantages they face like being a first generation learner or being a woman from lower caste in mm. india which really matters and uh, being a woman of color and all such things that's what i mean like got it that's great you're i mean i think even in my own mind like disability is this you know because i've been trained to think that it's this one thing but you're saying it's broader and it should be broadened um is is what i'm hearing you say yes and uh, yeah and and also uh, one thing is uh, being visually disabled women here and with a background here it's totally different and being from the place where i am that is also totally different it depends on the region and and how that region functions as well mhm and we'll go a little bit more sort of in you know in depth about your experiences as as a person who grew up in in India but also your experiences here coming here um at, during a pandemic um um with a visual impairment um kyra what what are some of your thoughts around um how you conceptualize disability similar to lata i don't think that disabilities are simply physical mm-hmm. uh, i think that there are also uh disabilities that you can't necessarily see when you're looking at a person um and i also would say that um it's i think of it as it's hmm I mean like you said Nina I've been taught a lot about um kind of like trained in in what it is and what it isn't but mm-hmm. I've been trying to redefine it for myself because I don't think that it is simply physical and I don't also don't think that um there's I mean there's a lot of stigma around having disability um in definitely this country and I would I would say the world yeah. and so I don't I don't think of people with disabilities as any less than like Lotta said they're navigating the world in a different way but I think that the world isn't necessarily structured in ways that are helpful for people with disabilities I think that there's a lot of added challenges like Lotta kind of um started to talk about as well with you know um it intersects with other things with with gender with race with class mm-hmm. um and um i would say that um all, when when you look at all of those layers it it kind of reveals some of the inequalities that are there Mhm and mostly maybe also nina there are invisible disabilities like for example uh, lata might not be uh, like though lata is obviously disabled she might be able to do something and and the same uh, other colleague of mine might not be able to do something and and how do and, and not only of person with disability but even like for example nina or kera like mm-hmm. even there are some things that you don't know or maybe uh, like you cannot do or something like that at certain point of time like see what 
ableism today uh, like it can be disability tomorrow as well there's no specificity like that like so in that way i think it will it, it's emerging on especially the invisible disabilities definitely yeah yeah and i really like how you both said doing things in a different way and you know and i think we come people come up against that not just in schools where we're mostly situated but in other places where you know people who do things differently are don't fit into the box that we think that they should be doing it in or how they should be doing it in and and then mm-hmm. somehow they become pushed out or marginalized or or you know so i think that's that's an, i like the way you put that of like you know that you're doing it in a different way. And I think that's important. But that also, like, to be honest, you know, disability issues is not something that, you know, I've focused on in my work or I've focused on a lot. So, but I'm super interested. And I first became interested in critical disability studies. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. And I remember the thing that really struck me about what was said in, in what I read, I can't remember what I read, but it was some something, some book um, about critical disabilities is, you know, flipping how we look at it, like turning it around because the focus is the person is disabled, right? So the focus mm-hmm. is on the disabled person, but turning that those eyes around and looking at the society that's constructed, right? Mm-hmm. That, so there's this, this quote, right? Um, from an article that I read recently, um, it's in the monthly review about disabilities in COVID. Um, and, you know, he was saying that actually disabilities is imposed on that, that category, right, is imposed upon people um, who don't fit into or, or are able to do or navigate this world. So that that makes me think a lot, you know, and, and makes me more aware now of <laughs> more than anything. Um, yeah. So um, I'm going to, so what I'm going to do, and and I, I hope you both had a moment to sort of read this, but to, for the listeners to hear this quote, there's a book that someone told me about this past summer called Capitalism and Disability, and it's a collection of writings by Marta Russell. Um and and so you know she frames disability and and situates disability in in the political economy um and so this is the quote here con- reconceptualizing disability as an outcome of the political economy however also requires acknowledging the limitations of the minority model of disability which views it as the product of a disabling social and architectural environment. In this view, the fundamental source of the problems encountered by disabled persons is prejudicial or discriminatory attitudes, implying that the erasing, that by erasing mistaken attitudes um, in society will, will then society will accept difference and equality will flourish so this approach diverts attention from the mode of production and the concrete social relations that produce 
the disabling barriers, exclusion, and inequalities facing disabled persons. So in other words, if we look at, if we think about disability in this sort of minority frame of mind that is just changing people's attitudes or just changing, you know, the environment so we have ramps for people in wheelchairs or, you know, or other accommodations, then that's, um, that she's saying that that's missing the point. Um, so I'm just curious what you think about that. Uh, so I I could somehow connect with the with this quote. I have heard about the book, but I didn't read uh, it quite like from where this quote comes from. Uh, so it is like uh, e- even during COVID or early, the problem is there. Like... Uh, like disability person is labeled like you cannot do certain things mm-hmm. but uh when uh, like especially in educational spaces or workspaces or something mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but it's not that they cannot do like it's that particular spaces need to be uh, designed or accommodated to in order to equip to needs of the person with disabilities mm-hmm. is what i think uh, because when when they are catering to so many uh, so-called non-disabled people, and they can as well cater to person with disability needs, mm-hmm. there are ways to do that, and it it depends again on the which type of uh, disab- physical disability the person is facing, uh, which which actually is recognized. So accommodations definitely can be made, and mm-hmm. and then it is possible for even person with disability to work with so-called other non-disabled people in the as a mainstream in mm. the mainstream society with with complete inclusion right. it it also depends on the mindset like if there's a saying right if there's a will there's a way so mm. i think that's <laughs> possible yeah yeah definitely um kyra what what are your thoughts I I kind of agree I, I think I agree with her about mm-hmm. um you know changing attitudes and prejudices making more accommodations isn't the root of the you know like prejudice isn't the root of mm-hmm. of why some people are put in the box of of uh, disabled and some people are put in the box of able-bodied. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's around one your ability to labor, mm-hmm. um, and the other thing. And I mean, there's a, a lot of ideas then that are brought in to kind of build that up of like that's where the labeling comes in Mm -hmm. and, and the mistreatment comes in. And, um, but it's, I think it's going to need to be, it's going to have to be a structural change Mm -hmm. in the way that um, we're organized around work and, and what, and what's and how we value people, you mm-hmm. know, because because yeah. every single human being is valuable, has knowledge, right? Um, and it's it's not that someone that has a disability is less than. 
I agree with this point of care because uh, in my experience and I, I have heard uh, experiences of other person with disabilities they first see the disability mm. and then the that person why don't they see first them as mm. a human being and if any of their other identities are pushed backward but disability uh, comes first That's just because it's visible so how right. much things are given importance in terms of visibility. Good mm-hmm. good point. Good point. And I'll finish the the quote, you know, and sort of and that to add to what you're saying, Kyra also is to continue um in contrast, we take the view that disability is a socially created category derived from labor relations. Um and another part of that chapter was an introduction to the book as work became more rationalized. So we're now, you know, thinking about work and and our society and and um and disabilities more historically, right, require, so rationalized, requiring precise mechanical movements of the body repeated in quicker succession. Um, Impaired persons, the deaf, blind, mentally impaired, and those with mobility difficulties were seen as, and without job accommodations to meet their impairments, were less, quote, fit to do the tasks required of factory workers and were increasingly excluded from paid employment. And I did a little digging of like, you know, in the book, um, Mm -hmm. she talked about, you know, people with disabilities have a higher rate of unemployment. And um, and I looked at the um, Bureau of Labor Statistics. And and that is still true that people with disabilities um, are more unemployed. They they don't have the job. So, you know, what does that mean? Like they're not the accommodation, as you were saying, right, is not. Um, put in place so that they can be part of society and, and part of um, part of working. So, yeah, um, what we'll do. So we're going to take a little song break and a little breather. And um, when we come back, we'll continue the conversation um, and we'll sort of shift um, to talking about disabilities in India um, and some of Lata's experiences in India. Um, so... We'll take a couple moments here. And I picked out a special song here called Sitar Metal. So it's an in, a group from India who plays heavy metal with a sitar. And this is a song called When Time Stands Still. Thank you. 
Welcome back. That was Sitar Metal with When Time Stands Still. Um, I always love the fusion of sort of classical instruments and, um, and sort of the modern rock. Um, so that was that. Um, so you're listening to Indigo Radio. Um, we are always making connections and, and trying to uh, deepen our understanding as educators um, in the classroom, in the local, and also in the global. And you are also listening to us on WVEWLP Brattleboro, 107.7 FM, your community radio station. And today our topic is um, disabilities, and um, our guest today is Lata and Kyra. Um, and so in this second section, um, I wanted to focus a bit internationally, um, Lata, um, about disabilities in other places and, and what that looks like. So um, Lata is from Karnataka in Bangalore, to be specific, this is the city of Bangalore um, in southern India. So um, Lata, could you tell us about your experience growing up and going to school and living in India um, as a person um, growing up with visual impairment? Yes, so my parents uh, are not formally educated. They didn't go to school, so uh, it was a sudden shock for them. Like As soon as they came to know that I cannot see, uh, I don't know if they were aware when I was born, but at le- uh, uh, as far as I know, I think they were not. But later on, they understood it because there was no certain uh, moment uh, like how usually it is expected of a newborn or a little growing up baby. So uh, when they got it checked, they had uh, they then they understood the problem, but uh, they didn't know that special schools exist for uh, visually disabled people or uh, other types of. Uh, disability students as well. So they put me to a regular school with some negotiations. I don't know what negotiations they had and how they made them agree to a a visually disabled person join to a regular school or integrated school. Mm -hmm. But um, how I managed there was like I could, uh, I had a little more vision by then, uh, which has reduced gradually. So it was like the teacher used to write the question and answer in a by a pen with using different colors in a big font size and so i used to uh, write the same thing using a pencil so this is how i learned and um, i don't know if that helped me at all but um, even they had no idea how to do that so anyway something better than nothing that's what they did mm-hmm. and then uh, it was the, the that particular school principal uh, and her partner who found out a school that caters to serve the visually disabled students Mm -hmm. and then they joined me to special school. Otherwise, till my almost third standard, I just studied in an integrated school because nobody around me knew that there is a school for visually disabled students as Mm. well. So, and then I was put to the special school and rejoined to second standard where I had to learn Braille and other things required. Can you Basically. tell us what second standard is sort of like equal to here in the U.S.? Is that like um, high school level or? Uh, second standard is, I, in my understanding, I think uh, here we call it a second grade. And first standard is like first grade. It's oh, like God, that God. is what okay. I... Thank you. <laughs> 
Got it. So you for so for a time you went to a special school for uh, people with visual impairments. Is that is that what I heard? Yes, mm-hmm. from second grade mm-hmm. until seventh grade, I studied in a special school for visually disabled people. Got it. Okay. And then what, and after that, after the seventh grade, um, did you join sort of the mainstream schools or did you stay in a, in a school uh, that was especially for people with visual impairment? As far as I know, there are not many schools that cater to the needs of visually disabled students uh, from eighth grade or eighth standard. Uh, there are only till seventh in, in India, mostly. Uh, so, and even if there are, maybe they are very far away, like um, like in other places. So, mm-hmm. and uh, also it's better for me, like, to have certain, and until we get certain idea uh, and certain training, uh, it's, it's okay to stay in a special school. Mm-hmm. But I feel it's good that I moved to integrated school from eight, uh, studying with other non-disabled students, mm-hmm. like... Uh, which was a little difficult initially um, to write exams with scribes so that, um, like, you know, they sometimes lack patience or mm. sometimes they might not know how to read certain uh, certain math mm-hmm. equations. And uh, especially when it comes to languages like Hindi, Kannada, they might not know how to read or they might make spelling mistakes. Mm-hmm. All these types of problems are there. But... Um, I mean, the, I don't know, like, how many schools give an option of writing in computers, but uh, as far as I know, not many. But So not uh, that also included my school where we were not, like, uh, allowed to write on computers or oh. they did not even think of it. So we literally wrote our exams with scribe and then we didn't understand much of the maths and science what is taught in class. Mm. But I took up maths and science, though in India... Uh, I don't know all over India, but in certain, I guess all over in India, but uh, we have this option wherein mm-hmm. students with a visual disability can take up other subjects like which are more theoretical mm-hmm. instead of maths and science because maths and science involves a lot of uh, practicals yeah. uh, and, and maths involves a lot of columns, rows and uh, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. Uh, and then... So we have this option of taking up uh, theoretical subjects like uh, you can take up some music and you can take up pol- political science and additional economic subject like this. But uh, some of my uh, other classmates who were visually disabled, they had taken and a couple of us had taken maths and science and did manage it mm-hmm. with some uh, accommodations from not the school, but we had some special maths classes after the school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you you went you continued on to higher education, right? College or university. Where did you go for? Uh, did you get a bachelor's and you must have gotten a bachelor's and a master's degree? Yes. Yes, I have a bachelor and uh, mas- two masters actually. Oh wow! So my bachelor's I did in Bangalore, mm-hmm. and uh, my Two masters I did in Mumbai, Tata Institute of Social Sciences, India. Oh, wow. Um, it, 
and I'm just curious, just because of our experience, yours and mine here um, in the United States with a higher education, you know, institution here, um, was the the higher education, it, it sounded like, like once you integrated into, you know, schools that were for everyone, um, that they tried to accommodate you know, the best they could. They were trying to figure it out. But what about, you know, when you got your bachelor's and your two masters, was the higher education university, um, accom- they, did they accommodate you? Yeah, like, uh, like that time, Stuart, obviously it's, uh, uh, and uh, St. Joseph College where I studied my bachelor's, they are well-recognized uh, universities or colleges in India. So it is actually... Uh, legally binding on them to do so mm-hmm. but again not 100% they were doing I do I do I have no hesitation in saying this mm-hmm. because what they, what has done I, I I give the credit that it has been done but uh, you know at least uh, in, in St. Joseph College like apart from academic uh, accommodations uh, there was like um, other accommodations like uh, on the sports day of the college there were some two, three hours or at least two hours for person with disability. Mm-hmm. They would also include, uh, they were also included in the sports day where all other students are up on the sides of the ground and the ground is left only for students with disabilities and there were some games that played combinedly like for example uh for example kaira and lata play a game so it's like how kaira also get that experience is that we uh, for example there's a three legs race so we tie up our legs and then like this uh we also had uh games on the sports day yeah that gives equal experience to students with disabilities as well in that college and like uh much practice goes on to this before the actual sports day right right so even students with disabilities were given at least uh, 45 minutes to one hour practice before the actual sports day. Mm. And uh, there were some volunteers from the class and from other classes who helped us during the practice and very much during the actual sports day. Right. It's so interesting. When, when I was growing up in Japan, we had sports day as well, which is exactly what you're saying. Like you do all these group games and um, and things like that. Um, I've never heard it about it or seen it here in the United States, but it seems common in other places to have a sports day, which is um, a day where, you know, I think, right. I mean, is it correct me if I'm wrong, Lata, it's, you know, you, you, you have a team and then you do these, these sports and you play these games and that's pretty much it. And I, I mean, when I was in Japan, you know, your parents came and you, they watched and, and that was it. But yeah. Yeah. And also Nina, like we can, uh, even you and me can play a game like together. That's what the concept was there. Yeah. It was not, there were some sports only for students with disabilities and there were some sports combined. Yeah. Like the intention of the sports teacher, there was like even, the other students must get the experience how we manage while playing the sports. Mm-hmm. Why I mentioned the sports day incident was there is a lot of uh, stigma or prejudice that person with disability cannot play anything, mm-hmm. like uh, cannot involve themselves in any uh, sports activities, mm-hmm. physical sports activities. But that's why I 
specifically thought of mentioning this sort of inclusion mm. and also the uh, staff there or the management if i may say they were ready to learn also from us like how they can make accommodations to make us feel more inclusive mm. this to be frank i'm not saying here or not even in masters college i have seen mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. my undergraduate college like they were ready to and at least if not never a little bit later they used to try their best to do that yeah yeah that's really important um and i pre- i appreciate that you brought that up right like you know so it's a, the whole institution doing things visually um you know meaning like people can see it and participate in it to include um people um with disabilities that yeah um awesome um what what were some what what do you for you like what were the biggest challenges um going through school um in india with a visual impairment yeah the biggest challenges for um, for me were that i am a first generation learner and mm. whatever support like usually the non first generation learner get so i don't get that mm. obviously and like uh, since my parents also don't know how to support and even the schools don't know mm-hmm. how to support it's like then and then when the situation comes of difficulty then and then like we have to try and think solutions on the spot mm-hmm. but there's no a uh, fixed way or a sorted way that can be followed each time yeah right so it's like really difficult there was no a standard way that should be followed like when these this difficulties arise Mm-hmm. because there i know that there was no much interest i think and for the management's like to do that it's like they just have us okay they have us that's all mm-hmm. uh some uh, mostly i felt that uh as i told like in my uh, bachelor's college uh, things were slightly better yeah that's what i think and uh, another challenge was of traveling because till 10th i had to not travel using a transport it was a walkable distance oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, except for uh, the first special school which i joined after uh, being uh, like uh, in integrated school till third again i joined to second grade in in special school mm-hmm. so except for that there was no much traveling till my 10th standard yeah. 10th grade so uh, in india th- 11th and 12th are also called uh, colleges like yeah. pre university college that puc we call it mm-hmm. so from when i joined my puc it was more challenging to travel using public transport mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i had to change two buses while going oh, wow. to college and again change two buses while coming back and uh, like i i used to somehow manage it with a walking stick and then my mother uh, she used to come with me initially uh, mm. for one two weeks and like even she don't know like how to exactly show me but like she w- came somehow and she managed to like uh, uh, me instructing her like how probably it can be done so we somehow managed like to find out the spots where i should get down and where i should take the next mm-hmm. bus mm-hmm. and sometimes the drivers might be sensible or uh, sensitive enough or uh, and most of them are not yeah so there are instances like once i fell off from the bus when i was oh. coming back oh, and geez. and the driver 
thankfully i fell a little away otherwise i don't know i wouldn't have been here like the tire would have gone on me oh and gosh. i didn't even i i thought like uh, nobody saw me <laughs> but there were people like who know me like because um every day i get off the bus and get in the bus uh, but uh, i thought nobody of my relatives saw me and nobody of my family will know yeah. unfortunately one of my cousins she was just on the other side of the road at that oh, time and she saw but she didn't come to me that time she went and told her parents and then oh. everyone is coming to visit me what happened and yeah. except a little scratches here and there nothing usually happened and there were some flower selling ladies there so they came and helped me get up and then they left me to my um aunt's home like usually uh, in my uh, college uh, studies in bangalore like i used to like go fra- to college from home and while coming back i go to my aunt's home first uh, which uh, which is my mother's elder sister and uh, yeah uh, because their home is nearby to the bus stop so each time i go there have something freshen up and then someone from there will mm. accompany me to my home this was the thing yeah. mhm mhm so sort of building a bit of support around you um Okay, we're going to take a little uh, short music break, and then um, when we come back, we're going to um, switch our focus now to your travels here to Boston um, to start your PhD program and what that was like for you um, and maybe some similarities and differences of the society around you in terms of how they handle um, disabilities. So our... Next song is going to be um the Penguin Cafe Orchestra. So as I said, um we're doing instrumentals today and this is one of my favorite instrumentals um called Perpetuum Mobile um by the Penguin Cafe Orchestra. Um you're listening to Indigo Radio on WEWLP Brattleboro 107.7 FM. Stick around for the third part.
Welcome back. You're listening to Indigo Radio on WBEWLP, Brattleboro, 107.7 FM, your community radio station. Um, make sure you listen to um, Indigo Radio on Sundays or on anytime on iTunes podcast um, or on SoundCloud. So um, that was Penguin Cafe Orchestra, Perpet- Perpetuum Mobile. Um, today, w- our guests are um, Kyra Swain and Latha. Um, and in, in this last section, I, I wanted to um, focus on disabilities, you know, again, sort of having that broad definition of disabilities, as we talked about in the beginning of, you know, what, what is that like here in the United States? Um, so let's start with Lata. Um, you know, what was that like for you to come here? Um, and it, I'm assuming this is your first time to the United States. Is that correct? As a student, this is the first time, but I have been twice to the U.S. earlier. Okay, great. Um, so as a student, what has it been like? Um, because we mostly talked about you, you know, you, your experiences as a student in India. So what has it been like? What has it been like here in the United States? So firstly, uh, I came at a pandemic time and uh, there was a lot of trouble while coming also because I just got the tickets from the scholarship section just before 20 hours. I had and after that 20 hours, I had to live to the airport. I don't even know what I took, what I didn't take, something that I remember and some things that I remember that I had to take but left over. It was very difficult. And somehow uh, I got uh, required assistance in the flight and I reached here. And thankfully, uh, some of my cohort members, my classmates, they volunteered to help me out to reach uh, from airport to the place I was living in initially, mm-hmm. I didn't have a proper place to stay. And then uh, I stayed at one of my cohort members' place initially. And it was really a big drama happening in, in, in searching a place for me. Mm-hmm. There were certain experiences that I faced. Like since I could not see, people didn't want to share and home with me. And later, uh, my friends and I, with an idea, we tried writing to different people uh, in, in the process of searching home. We tried writing to them uh, without mentioning my visual disability. Then we got some responses, but after trying to meet with them in Zoom or in person, then they came to know my disability, but then they say no again. Right. So right. the problem is even here, like, uh, with disability person means cannot do anything there's right. a labeling that that's experience but for me uh, this sort of experience here is a little surprising it means i know that uh, this place also might not be completely inclusive or something but it was kind of a surprise experience for me because we have um, this view that uh, united states being a superpower or something like that it might be very inclusive situations might be better so we, uh, coming from there, we have certain expectations that uh, we will be having a good experience here. Right, right. But 
and this uh so this is sort of a learning experience again and um i don't know like uh, sometimes i wonder if not for my cohort members and other friends here how would i even be able to find a proper place yeah i really don't know if i think uh, i'm thankful that things work out worked out but uh, if i think like uh, rewind it the experiences that have happened if not for my friends and cohort members how will it right I mean, how would the situation had been and because the people or uh, whoever supposed to do all these things for me like help me uh, did not do as much they should have done mm-hmm. like always there is this pushing thing happening like passing on like not if not ask me uh, some other person is responsible for that all these things passing on things to happened right. but i'm so thankful that uh, my friends stood right. for me and and they are also and i'm sure they will also stand for whatever i need in, in future as well yeah yeah so people just passing it on not wanting to deal with um deal with the situation um thank you and kyra and you know kyra will this just for our listeners you know this is a this is part one of multiple series that um both kyra and i will do um yeah. on disabilities and and also special education and and you mm-hmm. know and and going off of something that um that latha just said about about people thinking about disability as a person unable to do things and that label disability um really mm-hmm. sort of makes us think that right that that they're that they're unable to do things um and and with my experience with latha she's able to do incredible things <laughs> i mean the fact that she's here you know um doing a phd program i think is a testament to that. So Kyra, tell us a little bit about your work and and how this concept of disability um sort of fits into to your work and what you've seen and what you've experienced so far. So I would say that first off all of the students who have a disability that I uh work with they're they're identified through an IEP. And so that's an individualized educational plan. And I would say that the language within that also and the testing that's done to see if students qualify, I think that that can emphasize and reinforce uh the idea that they cannot do something. Mm-hmm. And um my students can do so many things. Lotta can do so many things. Lotta yeah. taught me how to make a new meal this weekend. Awesome. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I would say that the stigma is there in schools mm-hmm. and as also in how, you know, students treat each other. Sometimes it um shows up in that aspect how teachers treat students, um just the interactions and I think that can get internalized for students uh with IEPs that right. that they're less than right and that they're dumb or you know this test says that I'm in the lowest 15th percentile so then they're comparing themselves to everyone else mhm mm-hmm. and um 
I think that that I mean, it, it can be harmful. It, it is harmful. Absolutely. And, you know, that again, that word ability, it makes me think able to do what, you know, like what right. is this quote unquote thing that people are able to do that is so much more valued. But um, we're coming to the end of our show. And um, this is actually just um, a semicolon. <laughs> And we're going to continue this conversation. Kyra and I and, and others will be inviting others um, to be part of this conversation around um, dis slash ability. And, you know, and, and speaking about disability, I, I learned about this um, graphic artist. Um, so Sam Schaefer is his name. Like Sam Schaefer is a queer and blind writer and illustrator um, from the West Country. Um, so if you get a chance to take a look at some of, um, some of their work, you can find it online, but, you know, to, again, thinking about ability, you know, a, a, a person who is blind is able to be an illustrator. So just sort of expanding what we, what we think, um, and so just a couple of announcements uh, or one announcement on the weekend of December 4th, actually on December 4th, um, the Spark Teacher Education Program will have graduation. Um, and we are currently looking for a location. But um, if you look on our on the um, Indigo Radio or even Brattleboro Solidarity or Spark um, Facebook pages, we'll be posting the location and. Um, Cairo will, will be presenting her work and um, as will others. So please stay tuned for that. And um, yeah, and you're listening to Indigo Radio on WVEWLP Brattleboro 107.7 FM. And join us again next week. Overboard, black.